Hey everybody, welcome to the Dead Puck Podcast. Today is Monday, November 14th, 2022. Uh, we're about, I don't know, maybe we're closing in on the quarter mark of the season. Uh, so I think we're at a point where you can kind of make some judgments on teams. Um, we can kind of start to see if teams are real or if they're just riding a wave or something, good or bad. Hmm. <laughs> so maybe we'll start with some of the bad ones. Um, yeah, start with the bad one. <laughs> yeah, the Canucks, for example, I think we all had them pegged around the 3-4 slot in the Pacific Division, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think we expected them to <laughs> to start off this poorly, but yeah. Maybe Nick, what do you what do you contribute to the uh or what would you attribute to the to the struggle so far? Well, it's pretty much like the exact opposite of last year. If you remember before we switched um coaches. We this so this year we start off at least consistently we start off really well. Like I think I don't know about the statistics, but we are probably one of the best first period teams in the NHL. I could be wrong, but based off the way that we play, we are like so good in the first period. We'll be up like two nothing, three nothing, you know, two to one, whatever lead you want to put there. And then like this it's either the second or the third period where we just completely die. Like they're to start the season, obviously, we didn't win a game until, I think, like, our eighth or ninth game of the season. Like, we had some overtime losses. I think we were, I think we were 0-7-2 before we won our game, so it was our 10th. But, like, it was just, for, the, for those stretch of games, we would have a lead. Like, obviously, we know the stat where they blew multi-goal leads. Like, I don't know if it was for straight games or, like, the most to start a season. I, I, I couldn't remember. I think it was straight games. We had um, multiple the stat, leads. The stat, sorry, sorry, Nick. The stat that I saw yesterday was um, they've blown six leads, and they've ended up losing the games, and that's over the last two seasons, that's tied for the amount that... Over the last two seasons, it's it's tied. Yeah, like... The amount of losses, so... And you broke it, it in the first, like, ten games. <laughs> yeah, Holy crap. Yeah. uh, Obviously, you're not going to, you're not going to be a good team if you can't hold leads, especially multi-goal leads. Like, yeah, maybe a one-goal lead. Sure. You can get away with that, but not multi-goal leads. Like, it's not even like there were, they were all two-goal leads. Like, one of them was like, I think two or three of them were three-goal leads. Like, you got to be kidding me. So I think it's more of a mentality of this team because... Like, there's only so much that a coach can do to make this team as good as he or she can. But then it's up to the players after after that. Like, um, this team is just so frustrating to watch. Like, they look so good for one period, maybe two. And then they just completely blow it in the third or the second. And then they try to bring it back in the third and they just, they're just out of gas. And also, one thing that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, or maybe a lot of people are talking about, I haven't, I haven't really seen much about it, but Thatcher Demko has looked horrible this year. I don't know if he's dealing with something, or if it's an injury, or if it's something outside of hockey, like what Brock Besser was dealing with last year with his dad. 
But holy crap, like Spencer Martin looks better than him, and that's really bad considering Demko before this season, I would argue, is a top 10 goalie, maybe even closer to the middle of the top 10 in the NHL over the last two or three seasons, like ever since he came to the bubble playoffs. So if he's dealing with something and it's causing him to play this bad, then they might want to figure out what the hell is going on with him. And then if it's like something that requires surgery and then he'll be, he'll be out long-term, then I would honestly get it done. Like Spencer Martin, he has points like uh, team points Ever since he's come to the NHL, he has not lost a game in regulation. He's like he's only played twenty games though, or under twenty games. Well, I'm talking for Vancouver, or no, no, maybe not. Ever since he's come to Vancouver in the last ten games, I think. I think in the last ten games, he's like five and five, five zero oh, and five, or like six zero oh, and four. It's something like that, and like yeah. And I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, he's only played 20 HL games. Is he going to be able to handle the workload? But, like, if Demko is going to be out at least, I don't know, whatever the surgery is, like, let's call it, like, a, like a month or two, depending on what the surgery is, like, I think he could be, like, a an okay starter. Like, he's good to come in every, like, week or two to for like those back-to-back games or maybe even if they're playing like a like an Arizona or like one of the lesser teams like Columbus or something like that he's good to come in and give Demko like another like couple days of rest before they play a better team but I, 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 I think that we can't even say Arizona is actually a terrible team like statistically speaking they're probably one oh, of the I best teams in the NHL this season they're actually uh, they're, 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 doing, they're, doing, yeah, so. they're, they're doing pretty well um, yeah, they're definitely not a a pushover. I mean, yes, they lost to them in the first four. They're games. not a they're not a bottom feeder yeah. like last year. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the uh, yeah. Canucks, like basically their hockey DB, and like like you said, Demko's the only one that really stands out. Yeah, really. Like Pedersen looks to be having a good year. Oh yeah, thirteen goals. Horvat's second in league scoring. Like yeah. Miller's views look good. Kuzmenko. Esser. Mm. Uh, the stats for Miller, they look good, but if you actually watch him play, <laughs> oh, man. He is a... What a, what a, a one-dimensional player. player. <laughs> Holy crap. This is one of the main things that I was saying when it was the off season and before the season started and they were talking like, Oh, let's resign JT. I'm like, well, are you going to want to deal with the very lackluster back checking and defensive play for the next eight years? Are your, is his point total and his goal scoring going to be enough to make it not matter? Because if that were the case, then I would say, okay, then he is not a center move him to left wing and put him with a center that will actually play defense like Elias Pettersson. Elias Pettersson, the way he's playing right now, he could be a Selkie winner. I'm not even kidding. He is phenomenal in the penalty kill. I don't know why 
Travis Green did not put him on the penalty kill. Same with Quinn Hughes. Like, obviously, Quinn Hughes, he's got size issues, and he gets boxed out super easily. But Pedersen is so damn good as a 200-foot forward, like, both offensively and defensively. He's so damn good. But, yeah, like, this team is just – they just have, like – two or three, maybe even four things that are just going against them. And Ben, a thing I was saying earlier was that Elliot Freeman put out a tweet saying a coaching change in Vancouver is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I hate the narrative that because your team is doing bad, it's because of coaching. In this case, I really do not think it's because of coaching. I think Boudreaux, besides, like, a couple things where he's, like, made this player healthy scratch and put this player in, especially recently, like, he's put, like, he scratched Kuzmenko against the Bruins and put in Sheldon Drys, who is, let's be honest, he's a AHL top player at best. He's not an NHL player. No offense, Sheldon, but you're not. Um... And then, like he, like he keeps scratching Nils Holgander, and he he's looked so good this year. Whenever he has been in the lineup, over, and then he scratched them for guys like Put Colson, who has, I would say, after Demko, Put Colson has been the one that's a standout. Where it's like, holy crap, like what happened to you? Like he only has he's played fifteen games, and he has a goal and two assists, and he's been playing with like Horvat. He even played with uh, he played with. Pedersen and Kuzmenko to start the season because Mikheyev was out and he didn't really do much. But, yeah, this team is, again, like last year in the first, whatever it was, 25, 26 games before they made the coaching change. They were, they're just so disappointing. And I've heard that apparently they like Rick Tauchet, who, what? Or Tauchet, whatever. What team did he coach last? Was it like I was? What team did he coach last? It was either the Flyers or Arizona. Um, mm. I know he was with both, or or he was an assistant coach with Pittsburgh when they won the Cups. Yeah, Arizona. That was Arizona. <laughs> he's a good. I, he's a good. A tough. He's a tough coach. Um, yeah, these guys need a tough coach. But again, um, I don't think Boudreaux is a pushover. I think. Uh, oh, he's not. He's like he's his, his demeanor is so different from his personal life too. Well, he's uh, definitely like he like it's so weird with him. He's definitely like a player's coach. Like he likes to joke around with the guys, and you know his personality when he's doing interviews is so awesome. I love that. That was the one thing that I liked about Boudreaux before he even came to Vancouver. I was like, oh yeah, I like Boudreaux because he like he doesn't stick to like a script when talking about his team or you know talking about whatever he says what's on his mind and if it's funny it's funny and if it's and if it's like blunt it's blunt take it or leave it basically but then he also is like also a hard coach like he's hard on his players it's so weird to see a a coach that's hard on his players but is also a player's coach like it's kind of kind of unheard of nowadays especially when People are so sensitive nowadays. But if management wants to, or management thinks a coaching change is what they need, kind of like what they 
did last year. But instead of like doing, say, firing management and coaching, it's just coaching. Then hey, go for it. I don't, I don't have enough to say to tell you what to do with your job. I just don't. Sorry, go continue. Well, I was just gonna say what I said before. I just don't like it that the coach is always the one that gets fired because his team's doing bad when it's like probably when it's most likely not even his fault. That's the only. That's the only thing I don't like about it. Coaches are just scapegoats. Um, literally they're just scapegoats they're always, I think if, the, they're always the person that takes the bullets if they're gonna fire anybody that's a coach i should fire mike yeo because he's the one that handles our penalty kill and we're 32nd ranked penalty kill so you're, get, you're his ass out of here. <laughs> get his ass out of here i think well you know the always the issue with coaching too is since you can't fire the players because you're they're under contract but also so is the coach but it's easier to terminate a coach's contract because you're able to change systems and, but again, how are you supposed to have a consistent team? Right. Consistent, uh, and, and when you change your coach every two years, well, that's what I'm and saying. I know I'm, I'm saying this as like a leaf fan, which is, I mean, the Leafs have had many coaches for long periods of time that haven't changed systems. And there was talk earlier in the season that Keith, because the Leafs started off really slow, that he might be on the hot seat, which granted was fair, assumptions but uh i don't think i don't again like i think it all comes down to the players which i believe a lot of the media have been talking about previous and yeah i think certain players like pod colson got his face beat in last night against some guy i don't even know his name Greer, boston. boston yeah yeah and uh <laughs> He did. I saw earlier in that too. He didn't want to fight. Uh, he didn't want to fight Shen, but he picked he, up. Yeah, Jackson. so he, yeah, so he goes <laughs> after a fucking sophomore. That's like, I mean, Puckles is not a small guy, but he's not a fighter. He's like, not even close to being a, a a fighter or a agitator. I guess. No, not even close. So, so yeah, and uh, see, so yeah, I think it all comes down to. I mean, yeah, I understand when Boudreaux is going to get fired, but then now you're paying Travis Green and and Boudreaux and the new coach for another three year extension and a new coach. Yeah, like another intro. I think like uh, that was the thing that they were talking about earlier in the season was like when, when they were doing really bad. It was like, oh, they're not going to fire Boudreaux because they're still paying Travis Green. They don't want two coaches under contract that aren't even coaching the team. But then the report came out like. I think a week ago that said that apparently they're not worried about paying two coaches if the team's doing this bad. Like, they're not worried about paying two coaches that aren't on, like, the team anymore. So I'm like, okay, okay. go for it. It's not my money. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But, yeah. Does I it just... say anything? Like, wasn't there um, questions in the offseason whether Boudreaux would be re-signed? Like, if Rutherford wanted to bring him back? Yeah, I think his comments were, like, trying to not answer the question, but he did answer the question because he said, like, oh, well, he didn't coach a full season, you know. He only coached, like, I don't remember how many games he actually coached. It was, like, like 50-something games, so, like, barely three quarters. So he's like, oh, let's let's see him in a, in a full season. Then we'll think about resigning him. So I honestly don't think they wanted – to resign him to begin with, or at least that wasn't their first option was to resign him. Because I think if they did want to 
re-sign him to an extension, they would have done it this offseason, 100%, because of how well they did after Boudreaux came in. Because they were the if you based the record and the points off of when Boudreaux came in versus till the end of the season, in terms of like every team in that span, we were like top five in the NHL in that span. It was just that beginning completely screwed us over. So, but apparently, coaching change is coming. It's just a matter of when. So we'll be looking out for that over the next week or two. And I think I messaged you guys after a game saying, oh, yeah, I think Boudreaux's gone next week or two. And that was before the report team came out, so. Looks yeah, like that was yesterday. Next, that was that yesterday? Game. Yeah, Buffalo game. I feel like we had the same conversation a year ago, and we pretty much did. Literally. <laughs> you might as well rip the band-aid off now if you're going to do it. Like, what's the point? Yeah, look, I think it was just last year they were just like, oh, because it was obviously – Acolinis who were making decisions on both coaching staff and management. It wasn't just a coaching thing. So I think maybe that's why they were a bit more hesitant because they were so just hesitant about changing both. Like, I guess, I guess the earliest was like probably 10 or 15 games in the season. But now that they like have the management that they want, they've done like management's done decent things. Like I honestly have liked the trade that they've done. The only one I didn't necessarily like was the Jason Dickinson trade. Just because I think we gave up a little bit too much to attach to his contract. And then we got Riley Stillman back, who he has been god-awful. Like, why is he playing over Jack Rathbone? He is one of the worst. Um, there's like a There's, like, a stat. It's, like, one of those, like, extra stats where it's, like, the dumb shit that all the analytics guys go crazy over. It's like, um, goals. Dylan, Dylan you should know what it is. Yeah, goals should... above expected. I think that's what it is, but it's like the low end of that. It's like, uh, I, I forget, but he, but for defensemen, he's like one of the worst for the stat. Like, it's like goals. It's like what you said, Ben. It's like goals expected or some shit like that. He's, like, one of the worst in the NHL that has played, like, 10 games. I'm just like, why the hell are you playing him? Like, Jack Rathbone, honestly, he's looked pretty decent. He looks like a poor man's version of Quinn Hughes, just needs to work on a couple of things. They're like, why are you playing Riley Stillman over Jack Rathbone? I just don't get it. But, yeah, I, I don't agree with the coaching change, but if it makes this team better, like what they did last year, shit, go for it. But nobody can really say for sure. If if it'll make the team better, if it'll make the team worse, I don't Who think knows? it's gonna make the team any better. To be honest, I think it's gonna be it's it's up to the players. It's, it's really you guys are players. gonna be struggling to go five hundred into the rest of the season. I know, right? Regardless of the coaching change, it's just based on the games I've watched. Like I've watched the games just like you. It's such a like the Leaf game on Sunday. Um, Perfect example, 2 nothing lead, and then they blow and lose 3-2. They had a lapse of 10 minutes, as said. Right? In the, in the second period, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah it was the least were down 2 nothing after the first period. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, one goal, two goal, three goal, then you're down 3-2, and then they can't, they can't get the one or two goals back. Yeah. That's, I mean, they, that's did, have, they much, did have chances. Best they did. The crossbar. 
Yep. Uh, Dublin had a breakaway, mm-hmm. hit Chalgren's shoulder. Um, they had a few power plays in the second and third, and they had their opportunities to get back into the game and tie it. But they just didn't. They just didn't have the. Yeah, they just didn't get, couldn't get it done. They didn't have the nuts to get it done. <laughs> That's what I'm going to point it to because, like, oh man, I think yeah, there's you're so you're so right about the the uh, JT Miller stuff. He's a hundred foot player. Oh my god! It's, there unless are... you have a unless you have a team like McDavid where you can outscore your opponent. Being a hundred foot player offensively is good, but being defensively careful is also better. Like the, That's why people talk about Matthews like that now because he's extended his game to 200 feet instead yeah. of just being an aggressive 60 goal scorer. And he was was he nominated for the Selkie or is he just in like the top like 10 he's just or top? in the top top 10 area. He was never yeah. nominated for it. Yeah. But like for a 60 goal scorer to not not necessarily like completely change his game but to add in the defensive aspect like that's that's phenomenal for him. Yeah, I wish. Granted, granted, he does he does have make mistakes like every player does. Oh, like the oh, one against 100%. San Jose where he should have took Couture. Yeah, but he didn't. So like stuff like that. But nevertheless, Matthews advantage over Miller in that case, like not just like intelligence wise. Like me, I would argue that Matthews is a smarter hockey player. Oh, 100%. Like, Matthews has like his build. Like he's perfect yeah. for his role, like his size and strength. Six three two twenty and whatnot. Yeah, yeah six three two twenty compared to Miller, who's like six foot one ninety. Like if 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 Matthews threw hits, he'd be oh my god, Ovechkin. He would be yeah. phenomenal. I mean, if that's the guy you want to base your whole career around, that's the guy I would base mine around. If I had the size and strength to, um knock people off the puck and score goals at the pace that he does. So, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's the Canucks for you in a nutshell. Um, Dylan, we can move on to our teams now. <laughs> yeah, you guys are both in similar, kind of similar situations. Very similar situations. Yeah. Yeah. Not as drastic I mean, as Vancouver. But... Not as drastic. Yeah. Fuck no. I mean, you do have the least for every moment of every game is like dire. Like, oh, we're never going to make the playoffs. The problem in Toronto, yeah. I think, is just health oh. right now. Yeah. Like, if they can right. ride out that this wave, if they can find some, if somebody can step up on the back end, or if they can find somebody, then I think Toronto will be fine. Oh yeah, like I, I think I told you guys earlier uh, this month. Like, I've seen some mock trades. Uh, with Leaf defenseman, and to get like Jacob Chicken, Chicken, and a bunch of other mock trades that seem feasible, but they also at the same time like this could be the end of Dubas's career quickly if one they don't make it to the second round, and two if he decides to make a bonehead move before the trade deadline to acquire somebody. Yeah, I think it could just oh yeah out of control. So, I threw this out to Ben earlier, but they've been talking about it at least here in the Toronto region. That uh, Toronto's kind of number one 
<laughs> look that they should take is uh, Luke Shen, who's actually looked pretty good in Vancouver this year. <laughs> yeah. You're not taking him away from Vancouver. <laughs> He's the lifeblood of the Canucks right now. <laughs> Dude, he is the perfect defenseman to play with Quinn Hughes. Like, you can't... Like, I know he's he's going to be an expiring contract, and I honestly would not be surprised if they trade him because of that, just because he's an expiring contract. So, you might be able to get him. But he just plays so well with Quinn Hughes. I just... that Oh, that's actually... A 50, like, I'm pretty 50-50 on that one, Dick. That would be a really good defenseman for you guys to have. He's, yeah, be great to have he, he's so good defensively. He'll be he'll be your defensive guy to put with like your offensive defenseman. So probably Riley. Ooh, probably yeah, probably my probably Riley. Um I do I do really like the pair of what I've seen over the last couple days is Lilligren and Riley. Um I think the pairs recently have been they they've been jumping all over the place. I was talking to Dylan before we hopped on here. The the, the line switching and the deep court switching has just been so chaotic. I have no idea who comes out next. Every single like minute is a di- completely different pairing and line. Um, I don't even watch the game. I just watch who comes off the bench. And. Yeah, so so then, pairings have been like Hall, Giordano at times, uh, Sandine, Giordano, Lilligren, Riley has been kind of the stalemate. And then TJ Brody, as of today, has an oblique injury, so he's on IR. Um, also, there's been Muzzin, big Muzzin news that came out today that was very serious and severe. Um, yeah, I think. They definitely need to get rid of Justin Hall if they can. He's been I, starting I, to get back to normal again. I don't want I mean, Justin Hall if you're going to trade. I'm not. For no, I don't, think, I don't think they would trade. For, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they would give him the satisfaction be, to go to Vancouver. <laughs> that would be an interesting. Because, like, what would. Like, what in your world, what would be a realistic trade for Luke Shen? Okay. Um, I mean, you have Kerfoot. He's from Ker- he's from Vancouver, well, Vancouver Island, and take Kerfoot. That's three and a half million. But his his deal is I'm fairly certain expiring at the end of this year too. Kerfoot and a fourth. Horrible. Yeah, Toronto would have to move a player, I think, because I would yeah. have to be like. I would have said like a third and like a fifth or something. Yeah. Because I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm just double checking right now. I don't think the Canucks have a lot. Yeah. We, we have like no money, like no leftover money. So, and I don't think Shen's making a lot. Like he's only, where is he? he's only making 800, 850 K. So yeah, I think, I think, I think Kerfoot would be perfect for your team. Just because he's really good at doing nothing at times, but he's also something. He, he's really fast. <laughs> he celebrates uh, before the goal's gone in as well. Oh God, I saw that clip. I mean, oh, that was rough. Yeah, that was. That was rough. A, I'm really glad that we missed that stretch of me coming on the podcast and just absolutely losing my shit <laughs> about losing to the San Jose Sharks, the fucking LA Kings, and the. <laughs> It's a road trip. Do you want to? Okay. 
this is just a side note. Do you know why I think the Canucks suck this year? <laughs> you just spent 20 minutes, though. No, I just saw this. This is so funny. So I'm looking at our cap friendly. I'm just looking at our forwards. I don't care about our defense. We all know that Ekman, Larson, and Myers are not worth their money. No. But how many players do we have here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven players currently on our forward roster, and obviously that's because of some injuries like uh, Tanner Pearson and Curse Lazar, who I, I miss Curse Lazar so fucking much. He's so good on that fourth line. So we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys who are on contracts under a million dollars, and then it jumps up to Mikheyev's 4.75. We have, right now, because of some injuries, we have nobody that's between 1 million and 4.75. You guys sound what, a lot like Maple Leafs. What a joke. What a joke that is. You guys are... Hmm, it goes from 1 to 8 pretty quickly. It goes... Yeah, yours is like... 950, 1.5, 2.1, 2.25, 3.5, 6.9, 10.9, 11.6. Oh, yeah, that's funny. I think the so, prices have changed. Like, I think uh, Mikheyev making four point whatever he's making, like, if he had signed that contract five years ago, that would have been fantastic. That would have been like, yeah. he would be paid like 2.3 or something. Yeah. Like, I think since the, the cap, since the cap's supposedly supposed to go up, the. Yeah. It's supposed to go up like of the money. What, I, I saw it was like supposed to go up like ten million oh. or like eight million, something like that. I so hope I don't so. think you have guys making a lot of guys in the league making between like one point five and say four. Unless you're Everybody's Chicago gonna be kind of on one side or the other. Like they're either gonna be on a cheap ELC or they're gonna be on whatever, four plus, five plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um Last thing about the Leafs right now. Uh, Jake Muzzin, cervical spine injury. Yeah, not good. Anything to do with your spine? Originally, it was supposed to be a back or a neck injury, and we're like, okay, that's not good either, but him being older, um, yeah, no, this is like a serious threat to his NHL hockey career, to his whole career, and then what his life will be after. No. Uh, in my opinion, I would just hang him up and be like, well, I've done enough. What What else do I need to prove? I won a Stanley Cup. I played in the Toronto market, which is like hell frozen over. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wouldn't really know what he needs to prove. I know he probably wants to be with the guys and you know, move forward and get to that next step, but if your body's not going to take it, then be a supporter, I guess, kind of like Jason Spezza. In a way. Yes, and say to your team, hey, can I sign for less than the league, the veterans league minimum? Can I sign <laughs> for the... like, can I sign for a bag <laughs> the of LTIR pucks? minimum? Yeah, can I, can I sign for a bag of pucks and a cookie? Because this would also be a blessing in disguise, too, because then, you know, we have his stuff in LTIR, and that's like, what, four point. Five, five million dollars. I think it's 5.5. 5.5 5. $5 million dollars that Dubas can just throw away at Nick Foligno again? 5.625 for this season and next year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it could be a blessing. It could be not good at all. So I, I don't know. It's sad. 
But, but hey, I mean, hey, if, if there is a silver lining, at least Matt Murray's coming back tomorrow. Oh, yeah, the glass figurine's <laughs> coming back. <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> I don't know what to say about the goaltending. Me and Dylan were talking about Keith Petruzzelli before he got on here. And I was like, he's just a bona fide emergency goalie. I was like, we should not see him. And there was controversy about when uh, Keith put Shalgren in for the second of a back-to-back. Um, he played both of the back-to-back between uh, Pittsburgh and um, Vancouver. So, and I mean, he, watching that Toronto-Pittsburgh game, that was probably one of the best hockey games I've watched all season and of the Leafs. And he let in a soft one and they lost. So, I mean, it was kind of also like a, uh, you know, get back out there the next day and do it again. But also do the whole Boreal Salming stuff that happened um, over the weekend with the Hall of Fame game and the uh, Canucks game where they dressed a whole Swedish lineup for the first, for the puck drop. That was cool. It was awesome. That was awesome. I like um, that. that. That's also so heartbreaking to watch Boreal Salming up there it was so hard to watch yeah uh so sad but yeah i think shogren's proven that he's an nhl caliber goalie in a way just for the love of god just finish it before overtime because they just leave him out there to dry all the time in overtime he's i think he's 0-3 in overtimes this week this year not for not because of him that's for sure. No, no, especially in that Vegas game. Uh, oh yeah, he stood on his head. Yeah, I, saw, I couldn't believe how many breakaways Vegas had in that game. It was, just, it was unbelievable. I think I don't know if it was Sportsnet who had it. They had like a whole highlight of like Vegas chances in overtime, and then it ended up uh, leading to the goal. Yeah, that was yeah. that was that was rough to watch as a hockey fan. There's games was, like that too, where the Leafs do not belong in that game. Yeah. Like against Vegas and against uh, Boston, where they ended up beating Boston, and the fact that they still got a point from Vegas, you know, I mean, it's just some they they managed to get points, and I'll, I'll take the loser point. I mean, I, if I'm, I wouldn't say it's like an actual loss, right? Because like the loser point is still valuable. That's what's keeping uh, the that's what's keeping the Canucks playoff <laughs> hope alive right now. Jesus. So, also, the Pacific Division point. is the worst freaking division ever. So. Speaking of it, let's go to the Oilers where... Wow, uh, what a transition. Thank you. Uh, I think the Oilers are really good. I think they'll be fine once they get Kane back after that whole stuff. Um, That was was, was so horrible to watch. What are the odds of it being Patrick Maroon? (laughs) Maybe of all the guys. Maroon's like, what, 260? Like maybe if it was a... Hundred and sixty pound guy or hundred and eighty pound guy. It would yeah, it would have been like a little cut. Yeah, <laughs> you would have it been just minor, It would have been a minor nick. It would have been like a nick on his wrist, and it would have been like, okay, yeah, he's fine. He just needs to put a bandaid on it. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. good at all. But yeah, what was the I mean, Connor McDavid's Connor McDavid? So... <laughs> is he out three to four months, or is it more than that? I think I saw three to four. Uh, three to four is expected, yeah. but it probably will be longer. I just remember when Mikheyev got his wrist cut. Um, uh, I believe it was 
three or four months as well. And just based on how fast you heal. They said he has feeling, like he's able to move all his hand or all his fingers and whatnot. So like he has feeling everywhere. I think it's more just strengthening yeah. those tendons and hoping that nothing, you don't lose feeling anywhere, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah it's very it's been, easily that you could do that. Yeah, I, I guess kind of like Toronto, it's been an up and down kind of frustrating first what have they played 16 games or so? Mm-hmm. Um, like McDavid and Drysaddle have been exactly what you'd expect. Um, McDavid actually, he's I think he's got 15 goals in 16 games, something like that. Yeah. So it would be kind of cool if he was able to hit the, the 50 and 50 mark. Um, yeah, I would say those two, um, Zach Hyman, who has looked unbelievable this year, and Nuge, like those are the four guys who've showed up at every game. Everybody else, it's kind of questionable. Um, like the biggest hole with them is is team defense, and like Campbell hasn't been great. Um, to put it nicely, <laughs> I believe he's. I believe he put his uh, his the way he's been playing as pathetic. You know what? It's the same kind of stuff in Toronto where. I'd argue a lot of the goals against him really haven't been his fault. It's just like the team collapsing in front of him. Um, And like, I remember hearing about it in Toronto where it's like, he takes them hard and he takes it personally. Like when he loses a bad game or something, but at a certain point it kind of gets, especially at this point, like it's early in the season. It's only like, he's only played 10 games or so. And he's already like kind of got that like mopey, like, what was me attitude which is fine to see out of a player but at the same time it's like just buck up and like perform push like, through it yeah like we don't care um <laughs> and you could say at this point he's lost the starting role like Stuart skinner has looked a lot better um, Stuart skinner has looked like a 1a goalie yeah and like it's disappointing when you signed a guy for 25 million dollars and within the first 15 games of the season, he's already lost that that role, yeah. but... I mean, we did we did mention that he was never... He's 30 years old. He's never really been a true starter until he went to Toronto for a year and then signed for 25 minutes. Yeah. No, I, like, I do think he'll bounce back. It's just a matter of... Like, I don't know. You gotta ride the hot hand while you can. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're PK as well. Kind of a similar to the Canucks. It's just been, like, <laughs> surprisingly poor. I think they're running at 70%, third last in the league. And last year, they were a top five PK team. So it just seems like there's there's these weird kinks that need to be worked out. And the team is able to keep their head above the water right now. But um, the optimist in me says that over the next little while, they'll get the PK figured out. The goaltending situation will kind of settle down, and uh, yeah, I think I still think that they can they'll grab a playoff spot in the Pacific. Oh yeah, I have no doubt. Hundred percent. Like, let's just take a quick look. Like, I think Seattle's gonna fall off at some point. Like, they're actually doing pretty well. They're eight, five, and three. I think they'll fall off. They'll they'll drop below Edmonton and Calgary. Like, I think it, it'll be Vegas. 
Kings, Oilers, and Flames as the four, as the top four. And then, like, it'll be Seattle, maybe Vancouver goes ahead of San Jose. I, I doubt it, but, um, yeah, you guys have an easy playoff spot in the Pacific. No, no problem at all. As soon as you guys, as soon as you guys get Kane back and then you guys possibly figure out what's going on with your defensive struggles, I think you guys will be perfectly fine. But I just wanted to take a... find another defenseman. Yeah. And maybe you find another Brett Kulak as a deadline like you did last year. That'd be, that'd be nice for you guys. Um, I was just looking at... Because I saw... I saw... Like the... Because I I follow a guy who's super into, like, the advanced analytics on Instagram. And I saw that, like, Thatcher Demko was, like, the second worst goalie in terms of uh, goal saved above expected. Like, he's, like, a minus 10. And then then Jack Campbell's, like, a minus 6. So, like, our our top goalies have not been that great. And, like, I honestly think Dylan, like your team, our team is kind of the same. It's maybe not necessarily that it's more so apparent with you guys, like that it's not always Campbell's fault, but like our team defense are like just so bad at times, especially on the penalty kill. Like there's nothing that our goalies can do. Like if the puck's going in the net, puck's going in the net, there isn't anything that the goalies can do. I noticed it in Edmonton when they had Smith and Koskinen that the team played differently in front of both goalies and I think that was because of Smith's puck handling abilities like you could see the way that the defense um, circled the defensive zone when the puck was dumped in or the way that they broke out it was different than depending on who was in net and I'm seeing it again with Skinner and Campbell where like right away it seems like the team doesn't have as much confidence in Campbell as they do in Skinner. And so I think they're they're almost like gripping the sticks too tight and just kind of panicking in the defensive end, waiting for something to happen rather than just having the confidence in the goalie to make the save. And Campbell has been okay at making, I think, the first save, but his rebound control has been terrible this year. I don't know if that was a thing in Toronto, but... Um, like kicking out rebounds like three or four feet. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like if you guys watch some of the highlights, I don't know if you've noticed, like at least for me, like it seems like a lot of the goals aren't specifically his fault. And you need your goalie to get the odd save here and there when maybe he shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what is going on with the team where when he's in net, they don't seem to play as structurally sound as when Skinner's in net. I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, I've noticed in the the game against Carolina where they really got shelled. But like you were saying, a lot of the goals for or against Campbell, like the Martinuk one where Martinuk's falling and he shoots it, but like he somehow tips it twice. Yeah. And it goes over top of Campbell and then in. And you're just like, okay. Or, yeah, just, just lack of team defense where they're, they can't clear the puck. I noticed in that game that, like, they, they couldn't clear the puck. They couldn't get the puck out. Ever. And they got hemmed in so quickly. And later, sooner or later, it's going to go in the net, regardless of who you have in net. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, yeah, I've noticed that with the Leafs as well, where sometimes they hem people, they hem teams in, like against Vegas, where they hemmed them in for two minutes and they scored finally. And I'm like, well, imagine just being on the other side of that, where you're stuck in your own end, you can't get off. I'm not even I close to get. If Campbell's in net, that's the strategy. Like, just try and get five minutes of good pressure because you know that as soon as you score the first goal, it's going to deflate the entire Oilers team for at least yeah. the rest of the period. Yeah. And I mean, you got moments of brilliance with Connor McDavid where he just stick handles to the team and goes back in. It's like, oh, it's 4 2, guys. We're back into it. And then you end up losing yeah. 7 7 2. Yeah. So. Yeah, I've noticed with a lot of the third liners on Vegas this or not Vegas, sorry, on uh, Edmonton this year. Like Fogel hasn't been the Fogel's greatest. Like better than he did last year. He does, yes. It's Puliarvi and Yamamoto. They've been completely invisible. Even uh, Ryan McLeod's been struggling a little bit at those too. Yeah, like the I one bet. thing with him is that he brings us his speed, that I think yeah. is at least kind of game changing, but. Yeah, I mean, Mac Hollowell had a penalty shot in that game. Can't really be like, oh, well, hey, go out there and just do your best. Yeah. <laughs> You're a rookie, it's fine. You get to play with Connor McDavid, or you get to sit next to Connor McDavid. You get to play with him. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I think they need a defenseman. Sooner than later, honestly, I'd rather not wait until the deadline. But um, Justin Hall is always available. Well, I think if they can find a way to move Tyson Berry out for like a similar <laughs> salary, I don't want Tyson Berry. I don't want this three-way team trade crap going on again. I'm getting sick no, of if you could it's all the same players. If you could find a team that has a player on a comparable contract that yeah. is in need of a, like he's still a, he's not like. I wouldn't say he's a defensive liability. He just... He's not, no. What he brings offensively is fantastic. And so if you have a team that has a power play that's struggling, that is maybe a little heavy on heavy defensemen, then maybe... I'm not sure which team that is. Maybe Seattle. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's not too many teams that are really... have a lot of good defensemen. That, I mean, the Rangers... Rangers have a lot. Like a rumor that gets thrown out a lot, at least in like Oilers fan circles, is like Barry for Carson Sushi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He took a dumb penalty last night. Yeah, he did. <laughs> oh, that was stupid. There's a dumbass moment for you. Um, yeah, no, I think. I think the Leafs what, and the Oilers are in way of. What if? What if you? Over. What if you went after a guy like Vince Dunn and then you just added like a draft pick along with uh, Tyson Berry? Because he's a he's an RFA at the end of this season. He's making four million. Do you guys have? Or what's Tyson Berry making? Is he making three point whatever? Or he's making four point five. He's four point five. I don't know if Vince Dunn is really the type of defenseman that they would be going after. Like, they'd be what, looking for somebody like... Adam Larson? Bring him back? Larson would be, yeah. Like 
I don't think he'd want to come back, but I yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I just don't like, I just don't know in Toronto losing Barry and or sorry, losing Muzzin and uh, Brody. Like I can I can sympathize with that because like I think it was two or three years ago when the Oilers lost um Clefbaum to like a career ending injury and then like yeah. months later Larson decides that he doesn't want to be there anymore. And so they lost their top pairing just like at the snap of a finger. Yeah. And it's like there's nothing you can do. You just have to deal with it. Deal with it, yeah. Deal with it and make sure that you have okay defense, I guess, moving forward. You don't even have to be that good defensively. You just have to make sure you play a good hockey game. Mm -hmm. Consistent hockey game. Yeah, I think we should talk about some of the surprise teams um, in the NHL right now. I mean, I don't really want to say Boston's a surprise team, but like, they're there's one team in the Eastern. <laughs> like, they, I mean, yes, they are because, like, <clears throat> especially with the with them not having Marchand and um, and not having McAvoy to start the season, they are fourteen and two. Like we talked about at the beginning of the season, we said if they can get through. Like the the time period of them not having Marchand and McAvoy, they'll be perfectly fine, and that's exactly what they did. And they did better than that. They they thrived through that. They they're nine and zero at home, and they've lost two games on the road out of seven games. Like I would I wouldn't say it's crazy to say that they're a surprise team, considering what they that they didn't have their arguably their best player to begin the season, and their best defenseman to begin the season. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I was I, talking about them in our, like, season preview episode about, like, kind of hoping, like, Boston just, like, come out slow and then tank. Just sell off the pieces and move on. But they're doing the complete opposite, so... Kind of I, have a feeling, I have a feeling they're going to trade for yeah. Milan Lucic at... Uh, oh, God. Good. I really have a feeling that just just to get them all back and it's just it's gonna go back together. You have to bring the band completely back together. Go try and win another Stanley Cup. Charlie comes out of of retirement to be in a a supervising role, and (laughs) oh, you want to get Dennis Dennis Seidenberg flies in and uh, oh crap, who's the other guys? Um, You want to get Nathan Horton? Yeah, Nathan Horton comes back. Um, oh God, I'm trying to think. Tuke is back, obviously. Tuke comes out of nowhere. I'm trying to think of the team. I can't even think from 2011 who was on that team. Tim Thomas. Was it like Rich Peverly and? Uh, I was just I was actually going to say Rich Peverly. Who was on um, that fourth line? Uh, Sean Thornton. Sean Thornton. Wasn't Chris Kelly on that too? Yeah. Chris Kelly. I think, I think and, Kelly was on that team. Yeah. Cool, because he left Ottawa. Oh, Chris Kelly. Michael Was Michael Ryder on that team? <laughs> I believe he was. I think he so might yeah, have been. I, think, I remember. I think, uh, yeah, he won a Stanley Cup, and that was, like, the only Stanley Cup. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, Boston's a surprise, I guess. Um, I think... You have to also look at the Devils. 
Yeah, the Devils have been. They've won nine in a row. <laughs> Did you see all that stuff with the fire Wendy's chance? <laughs> Earlier in the season, Devil fans weren't happy and they wanted uh, Lindy Ruff to be fired. And then they're beating, I don't know who they're playing last. Whoever it was. They're like, Probably sorry, Vancouver. Lindy. They're saying, sorry, Lindy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I accept your apology. We'll go get a beer later. <laughs> Something along that line. So it was, it was cool. And I mean, it's about time. Jesper Bratt is playing like, is playing how we all thought Jack Hughes was actually going to play. I think that's the best way to put it. Because, yeah. yeah, they did sign him. He's, he's looking at like a $10 million season pay pay rise here at the end of the season if he continues the trend. Because, I mean, if... Uh, I mean, you're probably going to be... If you stay on this course, then you're going to be... It's going to be perfect for the for the Devils. And unfortunately, in my predictions, I didn't pick the Devils to be in the playoffs. I only picked them to be a sleeper pick. So, <laughs> so I got half right. I was, did any of us pick them to be in the playoffs? I don't believe so. I think I had them as like my fifth or sixth. Yeah. I or thought I really there. thought I put them I didn't put them in. I couldn't believe I didn't put them in. I think I put the Islanders in fourth. I mean the Islanders are second, so I mean that's not a bad pick. No, no, it's not. It's just <clears throat> No. I, I I just look back sometimes at the picks and wonder why I picked them. <laughs> well, we can't get everything right. There are a lot of things changed. I don't think we get anything right, but we get some things right. <laughs> I think this year we completely got everything wrong, So at least for now. I mean, last year we picked the Islanders and we all said, oh, well, that's stupid. Well, the Islanders, they got, they got screwed to start the season. They played their first 13 games on the road and they were, and then they couldn't recover from that. Yeah, no, those are my two. Those are the two most surprises, I guess. Also, I mean the the uh, Rangers started off really good, really good, and I thought like, oh man, they're just gonna take over and control the Metro. And then since the Penguins kind of went, they were on like a seven-game losing streak before they won in Washington. Uh, I was like, wow, this this division could get really, really bad really quickly. Calgary too. Calgary had lost like six straight, I think. After starting yeah, and they well. they finally won. I think they won their last game. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember who was against, but yeah, they were on like a five or six game losing streak, and then they and they won yesterday. I yeah, think, there's some crazy losing streaks going on. Like who's going right now? Buffalo's on a five-game losing streak. They're starting off so freaking amazing. I mean, Tate Thompson's still playing very well. Oh, that six-point game? That was yeah. unbelievable. I want to talk about team. I don't think a lot of people are talking about how, like, Winnipeg and Dallas in the in the Central. Holy crap. Connor Hellebuck is playing out of his mind. Like, he's obviously – he's not playing – as out of his mind as uh, Mr. Uh, Carter Hart is playing right now. Carter Hart. Carter Hart. Oh, I don't even want to talk about the, the Flyers. I don't want to talk about the Flyers. 
Well, I'm just looking at goal save above expected. Carter Hart's at 15.6, and then it's Connor Hellebuck at 2 with 10.5. That's unbelievable. But, yeah, Winnipeg, who would have thought they would have actually been a good hockey team this year? We kind of knew that they'd be a good team. It's just their dressing room is such a disaster. Yeah. And the stories that come out of that dressing room, it just puts you off of actually wanting to cheer for the team. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's also, like, possibly the last chance for Winnipeg to do really anything with that core of Wheeler, respectfully, Connor, and uh, Ehlers. So, I guess we'll kind of see how that goes down throughout the rest of the season here. Um, do you guys want to move on to the final part of the podcast that Dylan said at the beginning of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's move on to the dead puck, dumbass. Oh, God. I can go first if you want. I mean, you had yours all kind of ready. I kind of want you to wait till yeah, the end. I, did. I pulled it up just so I wouldn't lose it. Okay, and so okay. I saw this this afternoon, and um, I thought it was pretty funny. We're all familiar with Neil Yakubov, right? I just saw this. I literally just watched it like five minutes ago. Okay, yeah. So hopefully Nick hasn't seen it then. So Devin okay. Dubnik, recently retired Devin Dubnik, was on a Daily Faceoff podcast hosted by Jason Greger and Frank Saravelli, and they asked him which former teammate um, was the worst for high heaters in practice. So who was going for headshots? <clears throat> and he said, without skipping a beat, Dubnik named Nail Yakupov. And so <laughs> there's a transcri- transcription here where it says, Dubnik, oh, Nail Yakupov, that guy was an idiot, a complete idiot. I tried to explain to him we were doing a low drive from the corner and he's zipping these things past my ear because he's trying to hit the elbow. And I tried to explain to him, you realize there's three outcomes here. You miss the net, you score, or you hit me in the ear. I hate all of those. If you want to practice this shot, do, go do it at the other end. And he's asked, so <laughs> did Nail ever get it? And Dubnik says, obviously not. He's nowhere to be found, so I don't think he hit the elbow too often. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I literally just watched that like five minutes before we hopped on here. I, uh, I did not hear about that, so that's, that's awesome to hear. <laughs> Holy crap, that's amazing. I think we already knew that Neil Yakubov was a bit of a dumbass when it came to his practice routines, but this just further cements yeah. that uh, legacy. <laughs> Trying to hit the elbow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nick, would you like to go next? Yeah, but I actually, um, I don't know what we're going to call this. I, It's not really, it's not a dumbass. It's actually something... That's pretty actually awesome. I don't know, like I don't know what we're gonna call it. What do we want to call it? Wait, wait. So it's it's, it's not, not really a dumbass dumb moment, but it's it's a like it's like an achievable moment, or is it like a like a celebratory moment? What is it? No, it's just something that happened. It was it was really cool, and I I just want to bring it up because I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. Okay, so it's like a dead puck, something or other. Moment. <laughs> Dead puck, good guy of the week. There you go. Okay, there you go. So. Okay. Um, it was. You're here it was first, folks. Yeah, I think this is the first one. I, mean, I can't. 
I can't think of any other time we've done this. Um, we've never complimented anybody on this podcast. In this part. <laughs> that's true. Um, so this this was a game, Vancouver versus Nashville. Um, I guess I, I'm pretty sure it was Vancouver versus Nashville. Um, obviously, the Canucks were up three nothing, and they blow a lead. Three, it was three three going into overtime, and then the game ended up going into a shootout. Bo Horvat, if he scores, the shootout goes, it keeps going. Yeah, Ben, you already know what we're talking about. I already know what you're talking about, too. He came in, he was trying to go, um, he was going forehand back to his, going forehand to backhand, and then he lost it, and then the game was over. That's how the game ended. He lost the puck in a shootout. So, that happened, and then some guy um, either made a post or he commented on no, he commented on like a a video showing when Horvath missed it, and he's like, "Man, WTF was that sh- was that shot last night? I lost ninety one fifty because of that. You think you can e transfer that back?" And then Bo commented on that, said, "Send me your info." I don't know if he actually, if that actually happened, like if like if they actually uh, got in contact and sent and, and Bo sent the money back. But if that did, that is unbelievable. If he did that, because that that's so fucking funny. Because like you think, sorry, you as, think, as far as I know, it it did not. The guy never got back to Bo about it. Oh. <laughs> That would be so fun. That would be his fault, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? Like he's easily offering. I'm gonna give me your Venmo and I'll transfer you ninety one. Yeah, bucks. literally. Send me your email and I'll e-transfer you. Like that's so that's so awesome though. Like you think like typically losing a shootout like that, you'd be like, oh, like fuck this, I'm done. Like that was that was shit. I don't want to remember it. But Bo. Was just like, oh yeah, send me your info. I'll pay you the ninety-one fifty because you bet for us to win or whatever. I just, I just thought that was awesome. I, I remember reading that. And I was like, holy shit, that. Like, I can't really remember off, right off the top of my head of a player doing that, especially if, like of like a bet. I, I can't remember anything like that. But yeah, that's my first ever dead puck good guy of the week. Dead puck good guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah dead, dead puck gg um yeah so mine is actually a dumbass which is again boring all we do i know right sorry um all we do though is talk about how the repping is so freaking oh, bad and inconsistent and why so do we not bad. use um toronto more the game between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> if you do make it, sorry, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll set the scene, even though everybody's already seen it. Uh, Vander Kane, before his injury, gets pushed into yeah, this Alex Daylock by Seth Jones. Seth Jones pushes him in. Kane leans, lays on Staylock, and Staylock stays down for a bit, but is able to get back up. The puck goes all the way around the net, goes back to the point, gets shot. Staylock is able to make the save. 
the first save. And then the rebound goes to Vander Kane. He scores. On the ice, the ref signals goal. Then they go to a review, which they didn't even know they could even challenge because it, the, on the ice it was a goal. And you're like, okay, well, that could have been goalie interference. But then it sounded like they weren't even reviewing goaltender interference until somebody made the challenge. And I was so confused. It was the most confusing moment of my whole life watching hockey. And then when they were speaking, he said on the ice, the ruling was no goal. Even though in the corner you could see the ref point for goal. And then they called it no goal, even though Staluck was able to make the save. Luckily, the Oilers went on to win that game 6-5. That game was a complete shit show, too. It was a shit show of all I shit even... shows. I didn't even realize this. They called 14 minor penalties in the second yeah. period alone. The the Edmonton Oilers, I think, were, I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks went two for 10. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's like, that reminds me, sorry to bring up Vancouver, but that reminds me of, like, one of our first games of the season. I think it was against Edmonton where we were, like, 0 for 8 on the power play. That, that just reminded me of that game. Holy crap. That's unbelievable. But yeah, so... Yeah, because that was. I know it's a couple weeks back. It was so bad. That game against the Canucks was the one where there there was something happened in that. I think they missed a high stick or something. Yeah, that was the game where Quinn Hughes got high sticked by Kane, and then they ended up scoring. And there was complaints about, well, they should have they missed a high stick and this and that. And it's like we had like ten power plays. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah. I'm like, yeah, you can blame that all along, like if you want, but like we had literally like eight power plays and we didn't score on one of them. So shut the hell up and really go back to the drawing board. Don't score on eight power plays. Well, like, yeah, I, that's why dead put dumbass is the officiating, officiating again when uh, just so make up your mind. Stick to your call. If it's a goal on the ice, if somebody's challenging for goaltender interference, re- review it. But don't go back on the call on the ice that you just made, even though it was a good goal on the ice. This this is perfect. So I'm looking at the Edmonton Sun on uh, like uh, their headline for the game. Edmonton Oilers prevail over Blackhawks in slapstick comedy of whistle. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. That's perfect. That's a, that's, oh, that's a perfect that's, description of the game. That is. A, slap, <laughs> a slapstick a um another goalie interference play if you if you're able to see it i don't know i put it in the the discord but just to like it it completely sums up the way that i think refing or um specifically goalie interference has been called <laughs> this year um on Mika Zibanejad last night against Arizona he basically throws the puck in has almost like a breakaway and basically shoots the puck on him. And the goalie, like, <laughs> comes out of the crease. Oh, my God. How is that a gets... penalty? <laughs> yeah. You're gone. He's getting the box. Try... Oh, my God. That is horrible. He's not even in the blue paint. He's Yeah, the you goalie's, can clearly... like, behind the net. You can clearly see Mika, like, Get like try to move out of the way and fucking he's the uh, the goalie's just sticking his head out there like begging him to hit him like are you kidding me? 
this this top comment too. Just a joke. Why isn't the that goalie in concussion protocol? I know you think <laughs> head contact, but the red water. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that's, that's actually like, a good point though. Like if some, I, that's actually a, a partial point, not not the the whole thing. But if a goalie takes a puck off the head, I believe you should probably, you know. You might have to do concussion protocol if you have if you are having some sort of symptoms, but there's no nobody cares. Like, oh yeah, you did just block a shot with your head, but in like minor uh, hockey, it's just like instant whistle. I'm surprised it's yeah. not that in like the NHL and stuff. Yeah. Well, we got to talk about the NHL safety board, I guess. Player safety. Like all oh, goalies are fine. fine. They just take pucks to the head all the time, but that that's hilarious, Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that one until you, you mentioned the uh, interference. Yeah, that was my dumbass of the, the month. That's the one that stuck in my head all month. Yeah, I guess that's where we'll wrap it up for this episode. Um, yeah, we'll catch you guys on another one. Uh, you guys want to follow us on Facebook and we are slowly getting our Instagram and Twitter up shortly. I'm working on that. Um, but yeah, if you guys want to follow us on Facebook, that'd be great. And um, we'll catch you guys on another one. Bye.